Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, remember one part of David's prayer? Guide me, direct me. I don't know where to go. Where's the path I should go to? Here it is. Here's David. Once he's got his parents secured, he returns to the cave of Adullam. And basically what's probably rolling around in David's mind is, what am I going to do with these 400 guys in the cave? How in the world is this all going to work? And the next thing, somehow God sends this prophet Gad to give David all the answers he needs. The very next step to take. Do you routinely pray If you do, do you expect God to answer your prayer? Be honest. Many times people throw prayers at the ceiling, not expecting them to go any further than that. David didn't have any time for that kind of praying. Saul was hot on his trail. He was running out of places to hide. His prayers were serious. Pastor Mark will be sharing that God gave David the answers he needed at the time he needed them. God answered his prayers because they already had a relationship and God was keeping his end of the deal. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Samuel chapter 22 as he continues with this series called The Life of David. I want to say this in the kind way. You say, well, I, I, want, I want to be a leader. I want to be a spiritual leader. Be careful. God says that not many are called because the responsibility is not just for a few. It's for everybody that God puts under your leadership. I will stand, as will the other pastors and elders in this church, before God and give, I have more responsibility than you because I have your spiritual souls, as Hebrews tells us, in my hands. Not that I make the decisions, but if I'm not doing things correctly, if I'm not challenging you, if I'm, I'm beating you and discouraging you, then I'm going to answer for that. So there's great weight on every pastor. That's why you need to pray for your pastors. Because we have that weight. We talked about it today in the, in the staff. We have that weight of the ministry. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's just there. It's a tremendous responsibility that any pastor that's worth anything feels, knows, 24-7, never leaves. It's a weight, but we are able to cast it on the Lord, and we have wonderful people that serve with us. So understand that. Don't, don't be asking for a gift that you don't have, because you don't want it, and this God gifts you with it. Understand? Pray for us as we pray for you. Now, go back to verse 3. Oh, you're right there. Look at verse 3. What's going to happen next? From there, David went to Mizpah in Moab. And that's uh, across the uh, Dead Sea. Uh, today it would be Jordan. And said to the king of Moab, Won't you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn 
what God will do for me. So he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him as long as David was in the stronghold. So what is David doing? Well, his, his parents, who were some of the people that came, because they were in danger, they came to David because of King Saul. They came to David, and uh, David knows pretty much his life is going to be running in the wilderness. And if you've been to Israel, you kind of know what some of that is like. It, it's a pretty rough area. Rocks everywhere. Rocks, 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 rocks. And so David knows that that's going to be impossible for his parents. They can't follow him. They're too aged. It isn't going to happen. So David takes him to this assisted living facility in Florida. I mean to Moab. (laughs) And and, and he takes him there. And amazingly, he takes him to the king of Moab. Now, the king of Moab is really an enemy of Israel. But the king of Moab is really an enemy of King Saul. Saul more than he is David. Now, the other thing that we don't know how it all worked, remember David's great-grandmother, Ruth, was a Moabite. So there's some, that family kind of tie that came in there. And somehow, God orchestrated it that his parents would be safe there because they really weren't against David. David isn't anything at the moment, you know, especially if you take some of his 400 men with him, they go, yeah, okay, no problem with you. These guys aren't going to do anything. So God orchestrated it. David took care of his parents, and now he can go back. Look at verse 5. But the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. So he's going to move him out. Go into the land of Judah. So David left and went to the forest of Hereth. Now, remember one part of David's prayer? Guide me. Direct me. I don't know where to go. Where's the path I should go to? Here it is. Here's David. Once he's got his parents secured, he returns to the cave of Adullam. And basically what's probably rolling around in David's mind is, what am I going to do with these 400 guys in the cave? How in the world is this all going to work? And the next thing, somehow God sends this prophet Gad to give David all the answers he needs. The very next step to take. Remember, the steps of a righteous man and woman are ordered by the Lord. You can expect God to answer your prayers specifically. So the prophet basically says to David, uh, the wilderness fortress where you're at is not going to be a safe place. And you have to return to Judah in the wide open area. So David obeys. He obeys this prophet and relocates in the, in the forest of Hereth in the vicinity of the cave of Adullam. We don't really know where that is. Now, while he's doing this moving, there's disaster brewing back at the palace. Look at verse 6. Now, Saul heard that David and his men had been discovered. And Saul, spear in hand, was seated under the tamarisk tree on the hill of Gibeah, with all his officials standing around him. And Saul said to them, listen, men of Benjamin, with the son of Jesse, notice he refuses to call him David. Will the son of Jesse give all of your fields and vineyards? Will he make all of you commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds? Is that why you have conspired against me? No one tells me when my son makes a covenant with the son Jesse. None of you is concerned about me or tells me that my son has incited my servants to lie in wait for me as he does today. Now, you already see the problem that Saul has. Notice how many times you say the word me. It's all about him. 
He's gone paranoid. See, when you and I take life and roll it down and it's all about me, we're in trouble. Life is not about you and me. Life is about God. And so here's King Saul. The spirit has left him. And here he is. And he's simply feeling sorry for himself. Saul believes that everybody's against him. And he starts accusing all these people of treason. Look at verse 9. But Doeg, the Edomite, who was standing with Saul's officials, said, Wait a minute now, king, wait a minute. I have some news for you. I have some gossip for you. I saw the son of Jesse come to Ahimelech, a son of Ahatub, at Nob. Ahimelech inquired of the Lord for him. He also gave him provisions and the sword of Goliath, the Philistine. Now, think about that. Here's Doeg. Remember, he was the one that was there when Saul went to Ahimelech and and asked the priest for some help. And everything you see in verse 10 is true. He gave him provisions. He gave him a sword. But he doesn't tell him the whole story. He kind of just goes, if you heard that, what would you think? Well, the, the priest is for David. And the priest is against me. Well, that's not true at all. So that's exactly... See, sometimes... Ever been guilty of telling half-truths? You tell the truth, but it's not really the whole truth. And so people can jump to conclusions. This is exactly what happens. Now look at verse 11. Then the king sent for the priest Ahimelech, son of Hatub, and his father's whole family came. So Saul's going to bring them all here, who were the priests at Nob. Remember where David was? And they all came to the king. And Saul said, now listen now, son of Ahatub. Yes, my lord, he answered. Saul said to him, Why have you conspired against me, you and the son of Jesse, giving him bread and a sword and acquiring of God for him, so that he has rebelled against me and lies in wait for me as he does today? Here we see Satan influencing the mind, the deranged mind of King Saul. Ahimelech, he says, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, He's putting two and two together, and it isn't four. It doesn't make any sense. Ahimelech is not guilty at all. He hasn't done anything wrong. Think about this. That high priest, when David came, what did David say to him? David said to him, I'm on a mission from King Saul. Well, how would he know he's not on a mission from King Saul? So if he's on a mission from King Saul, I'm going to support King Saul. I'm going to give David what he needs. So he's doing everything right. Ahimelech is. But Saul reads it very differently. Remember, that's because Satan's a deceiver and a liar. So all of this is what the enemy's doing. Verse 14, Ahimelech answered the king, who of all your servants is as loyal as David? Now this is going to make it sound even worse, but what he's trying to say is, wait a minute, David is the guy that won the battle with Goliath. You love David. I mean, he's your son-in-law. And he came and asked for some help. What else would I do? So I'm just trying to read that in for you. Who of all the servants is as loyal as David, the king's son-in-law, captain of the bodyguard, highly respected in your household? I mean, he lived there with you. Was that day the first time I've inquired of God for him? Of course not. Let not the king accuse your servant or any of his father's family, for your servant knows nothing at all about this whole affair. So what does a Ahimelech do? He says to Saul, look, I didn't know you and David were on the outs. David never said a thing to me about that. He just said he was here on a mission from you. Remember, Ahimelech did question David. Well, why are you here? And that's when David lied. 
So he took the lie as truth. Now he's what? He's an innocent man standing before a man filled with jealousy. Verse 16. The king said, you will surely die, Ahimelech, you and your father's whole family. Then the king ordered his guards at his side, turn and kill the priests of the Lord, because they too have sided with David. They knew he was fleeing, yet they did not tell me. But the king's officials were not willing to raise a hand to strike the priests of the Lord. This is hard stuff to read, isn't it? Saul thinks of himself and all of this as a victim. He jumps to conclusions. He said, they've sided with David against me. It wasn't the truth at all. So where is all this happening in Saul? In his mind. Remember, the battle is in our minds. He's taking what he wants to hear, and the enemy is mixing lies with it. And the result, what is Satan's goal? Steal, kill, destroy. Here it is. It happened in Saul's mind. The bitterness, the anger, the envy played right into the plan of Satan's. Now, isn't it interesting that Saul's servants refused to obey the king? What would you think would happen to you next if you said no to the king? Here's the principle. You know it. It's way better to fear God more than we fear men. That's why they finally said, no way. We won't do it. This is a priest of God you're talking about here. We will not do it. Wise move. Wise move. Principle of the Bible, Acts chapter 5. Always obey God. If I obey a man, if it means disobeying God, I always obey God and leave the consequences to him. You just do the right thing. Verse 18, while the king, he looks and his men won't do anything, so what happens? He looks to Doeg. Now, you'd wish, after you read this, that there weren't these kind of people in the world, but we've just seen it recently out west. The king then ordered Doeg, you turn and strike down the priests. So Doeg, the Edomite, turned and struck them down. That day, he killed 85 men who wore the linen ephod. Sometimes you and I will watch a program on television, a movie on television, and you see a rookie policeman killing somebody for the very first time in the line of duty. And man, they can't handle it. they, they got to get counsel. It took a person's life. It's just miserable, which is right. I mean, I don't know what it would be like. It would be very difficult. What does this guy do? He kills 85 people personally with the sword. Hard for us to understand. That's not the end. Verse 19. He also put to the sword Nob, the town of the priests, with its men and women, its children and infants, and its cattle and donkeys and sheep. This is a principle that I can't explain to you, but it's true. Bad things do happen to good people. This town is innocent. The priests are innocent. Ahimelech is innocent. And yet he's killed. It doesn't make any sense. 
You can't explain it. And yet, God's going to be gracious, and he's going to work through this whole situation. It's just difficult. In the end, we know it isn't God that caused this, obviously. It's the world that we live in. Look what just happened out in Arizona. That isn't good. I don't care what representative you are, what political party you're at. That's satanic at what just happened. And it's no different than we just read right here. But Abathar, the son of Ahimelech, the son of Ahatub, escaped one of the sons, and he fled to join David. And he told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Now, I want to stop there. Look at me. What's going through David's mind now? Ever been there when you sinned and thought it was over and later the consequences came back to... It's hard, isn't it? It's really hard. He told David that Saul had killed the priests of the Lord. Then David said to Abathar, that day when Doeg the Edomite was there, look what, look what he was thinking. I knew that he would be sure to tell Saul. Here's an amazing sentence. I've underlined it in my Bible. I'm responsible for the death of your father's whole family. Can you imagine having that news given to you and you're the main reason for all the deaths? The son is standing in front of you. See, David knew this principle. You and I know this principle. Sometimes we don't think about it. Sin simply has consequences. Now, David isn't responsible for killing these people. He didn't do it. He didn't realize, but his lies caused it to happen. When we choose to sin, we choose to suffer. And when you look at all this, and you begin to think about this, look at verse 23. Stay with me. Don't be afraid. The man who is seeking your life is seeking mine also. You will be safe with me. How can David say that? At the end of all this, how can David say that? Because he knows he's been praying to God. He knows he's been asking God for mercy and grace. He knows he eventually is going to be the king. And Abathar will serve as high priest for David until later under the rule of King Solomon. That will exactly happen. So let's turn to Psalm 57. And I just want to read a couple verses. If you'd like for extra credit, when you get before God, you can tell him you read all of Psalm 57. You can do that this week. But I just want to give you a couple verses. David also wrote this, probably more toward the beginning of this chapter. But it's another great prayer that reminds us that somewhere in that sequence, David found out that his sin had these amazing consequences. Psalm 57 I'll read tonight just verse 1 and 2. What's David say? Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy on me, for in you my soul takes refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. Basically, David says, God, my life is a disaster. Look what I've just found out. 
I can't believe it. David compares himself, as you move through this chapter, as a little bird that takes refuge and mercy by hiding under the wing of a parent. That's what David's saying. He's in the cave saying, God, I don't know if it can get any worse. Will you forgive me? Will you still have mercy on me in spite of what I've done? Just write this tonight because when we read that chapter, it's hard for us. You know the truth. God is gracious and he loves to forgive us. And it doesn't mean our sin doesn't have consequences. The consequences don't go away. They're there. But God is gracious. If he wasn't, we might as well all just throw in the towel tonight. Because we all, we all disobey. We all do things that we wish we had have never done. David, I'm, how many times he thought until he let God just remove that from, thought, if I'd have never opened my mouth, none of this would have happened. God had another plan for me, but I took my plan and worked it with lies. And then verse 2, it's just pregnant with hope. Look at verse 2. I cry out to the God most high, to God, who fulfills his purpose for me. David is convinced that God is gracious and God will forgive him, and that even Saul cannot stop God's plans and purposes for him. David remembers Samuel anointing him and saying, David, you are going to be the next king. So what do I get from that tonight? Because God is gracious. If I confess my sins, he will forgive me. This next thing you need to write on it, you just need to understand how gracious God is for all of us. And I'm speaking to myself tonight because I don't know your life. I just know he's very gracious to me. Nothing can thwart the purposes of God for me. If I go to God and ask for forgiveness, if I ask God to forgive me, now sometimes I can silence. it, sometimes there's going to be people hurt as a response of my sins, but David knows that God is going to be merciful and God's going to take him on the path that he had him on. Same for you and I tonight. God will accomplish for us what he set out for. If we'll be humble and when we blow it, we all do, go right to God really confess, really ask God to forgive, and then we have to receive that forgiveness. Because if you dwell, if David sits every night in that cave or wherever he is at that forest and dwells on those people, he'll never move forward. You're going to see that when we go back to the book of Philippians. We leave behind those things. David can't do a thing about it now. It's too late. Can't do a thing about it. If he knew that would happen, he never made that lie in the first place. You all been there. I've been there. I'd have never done that if I knew that was what was going to happen. But it's too late, so you have to move forward. See, God tonight is taking you from here to there. And to do that, you have to leave some of that stuff behind. And as we move along, He's gracious, and He's good. And His plan for you is good. Today, Pastor Mark taught about the consequences of fear and believing lies. Saul feared David and because of that was willing to believe what Doeg told him, even after the priests proclaimed their devotion to the king. This is a further warning to you to maintain a tight relationship with God and to be obedient to him. The devil is looking for any opportunity to derail your bond with God. 
There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Well, this concludes another installment of Pastor Mark's series called The Life of David. Next time, he will continue to tell David's story. You'll hear about David's consistent reliance upon God when making decisions about actions to take or not take. You'll find out how the way David dealt with crises in his life applies to your successful life as a Christ follower. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ball. Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.